Right, it's a great joy to be with you again this morning and to be able to share God's Word with you. So thank you again for joining us. Um, as you know, um, if you're part of the church, uh, we, we are doing a vision series, just exploring our vision statement and reminding ourselves of what God has called us to do as a local church. And so I trust if you are joining us for the first time that this will still encourage you, because basically I'm going to spe be speaking about our mutual responsibility that we have in any church community to love each other. And uh, the context of this is, is uh, we are busy on the, on the fifth week um, of the series. Uh, the first week I spoke about um, what it means to be rooted in Christ. And so we look, had a look, how do, do we root ourselves in Jesus? And I, I spoke to you about the ordinary means of grace that are available to us as, as believers. And those are simple things like prayer, like worship, like fellowship together, the breaking of bread, baptism. These are the ordinary means of grace that God gives us to facilitate his power in our lives. And as we simply do those things regularly, we are encouraged and rooted more and more in Jesus. And then in the second week, I, I had a look at um, uh, the extraordinary thing that Jesus has done for us, that he's bought us freedom, and that we are free in Christ when we are saved, we are set free to become the people that God intended us to be, and the, 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 the joy of that is we experience that as believers. And then the second half of that message was, was to encourage you that the privilege that we have also is to hear the voice of the Spirit in our lives and to live our lives, not according to a system of rules or moral code, but as we just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives day by day, and we obey His voice, we get to walk by the Spirit and become more like Jesus. And so those two weeks were a short summary of what it means to be rooted in Christ. And then in the third week, we had a look at planted in family. And I asked some questions, uh, which we had a look at. What is a church? And uh, the word church is a particularly Christian word. And so we explored that a little. And then we had a look at um, why is church important? And uh, I had a look at some cultural things and how different generations view uh, authority and view institutions and um, how we've ended up right now in the 21st century with, with many people suspicious of, of, of any institution, including the church. And we had a look at that as well. And then I had a look, thirdly, at what it means to belong to a local church community and how important it is that it's a part of our authentic conversion to be belong to a local church community. And it's impossible to be a Christian without loving God's people and expressing that in your love for local church. And so that's what I looked at last week. So actually, it's not the fifth week, it's the fourth week uh, of the series. And so today, my privilege is to speak to you about the, the responsibility that every one of, uh, of us have as believers. It's a, it's a privilege to love each other and how that is worked out in a local church community and what that looks like. And so as, if you're part of any family, there are responsibilities you have as part of a, a family. And in the same way, as being part of a local church family, there are some responsibilities that we carry as members of God's family. And just to start by saying it, all Christians everywhere are called to love God and to love each other to love those inside the church and to love those outside of the church. That's, that's a responsibility that all of us have. And we, we get to express our love for God through worship and prayer and sitting under the teaching of the Word and enjoying great fellowship with each other. Uh, these are the ordinary means of grace that I spoke about a couple of weeks ago. 
And I long to be with you guys again in this coffee shop. For those of you that don't know our church, we are broadcasting this from our coffee shop. And we've had many wonderful hours together as a church community, eating in this place and, and drinking coffee and tea together. And that's part of the joy of fellowship, just loving each other in a context that people can know us and we can know them. And that's part of the, the joy of, of, of being part of a local church. But we have also particular responsibilities towards each other. Uh, at its heart, the Christian message is relational. It's communal. It's not individualistic. It's about family. It's about a community that lives out the gospel. And we can only really fully realize um, our Christian faith in the context of community and that where people know us and we know each other. And that really is Christianity 101, that we have this extraordinary privilege of, of worshiping together and praying together and breaking bread. And this is particularly challenging, of course, at the moment with, with COVID, with all the, the restrictions that we face. But um, we look forward to that time in a hope not too distant future where once again we can get together for worship and prayer and we can love each other and hug each other <laughs> and say, it's good to see you. So we look forward to that time. But um, let me paint a picture for you this morning through a number of very simple things that flesh out what love looks like in a Christian community. Uh, there's so many scriptures that emphasize love. Uh, John 15, 12, Romans 12, verse 9, Galatians 5, all over the scripture. Um, there are encouragements in the scripture that we are called to love each other. And John 13, 34 is perhaps one of the more well-known ones, which simply says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And the point is, in Christ's family, we are all members of the same family. In fact, the Bible even puts it more strongly than that. It says that we are members of each other. And if you remember 1 Corinthians 12, it has this amazing picture of the body. And in, in that picture, it says that we actually are part of each other. It puts it like this. It says there's one body and it has many members. And all the members of the body, though many, are one. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. And so it's actually saying that we are part of each other as part of this body. And that's an incredible thought. And so I want to put it to you this morning that if there's no love, if there's no genuine affection and, and love for each other, what other satisfaction or joy can there be in the Christian life? It ultimately is what Christianity is about. And so anything in our community, in our family, in our church community that seeks to cool the love, to cool it down and to temper that love, uh, we must resist that with all of our hearts and repent of it because we want to be a warm, loving community because that's what the Bible has for us. And so here, are, just to flesh that out, here are some things, very simple things that love uh, enables us to uh, give our attention to and obliges us to go after. The first thing I want to say is this. Love obliges us to seek peace and to preserve unity within a local congregation. It obliges us to do that. There Again, there are so many scriptures that point us to this. Romans 12, 16, or 1 Corinthians 13, 7, 
Ephesians 4, Philippians 2 is the one I want to focus on. In verse 3, it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant as than yourself. You see, the desire to preserve unity and to seek peace, it's a, a thing that flows naturally out of love. And that's what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Um, again, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, I appeal to you. Again, it's not an instruction. Do you notice that about the scripture? It's always an encouragement. It, it invites us. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily instruct. It says, I, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that all of you agree. <laughs> Isn't that such a simple uh, thing, but so difficult. That all of you agree. And that be no divisions amongst you, that you are united in the same mind and the same judgment. That's Paul's heart. He's appealing to these people. Come on, put aside your divisions, anything that divides, agree, all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he appeals to them. He says, don't quarrel. We see, love in, uh, in, obliges us to seek peace and to preserve unity within the local church. And so I say to you this morning that if we truly share the same spirit and the same mind, which is the mind and the spirit of Christ, then love expressing itself through unity is a natural overflow of the Holy Spirit. It's an expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I also put it to you, it's only because we still struggle with a, a remnant of sin in our lives that preserving unity is difficult sometimes. It's because we are still we tend towards doing what is uh, incorrect. And so uh, I love how Paul encourages the church in Philippi uh, in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 27. He says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I might hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by anything but in your opponents. Isn't that a wonderful encouragement? Paul's heart towards this church, striving side by side, one mind, unified, uh, standing for the gospel, not being frightened of anyone that opposes you. Love obliges us to seek peace and preserve unity. Similarly, love does all that it can to avoid strife, to avoid fighting. A Proverbs 17, 14. I love it. It says this, the beginning of strife is like letting water out, uh, letting out water. So quit before the, the quarrel breaks out. That's what it says. Uh, it's like letting water out of something under pressure. So quit before it even starts. Or um, 1 Corinthians 10 says this, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So you see, when, when we are all members of this beautiful thing called the church, the, the family, and we actively cultivate unity and express it through sympathy for other people, there's incredible power that's released. Incredible power by the Holy Spirit that is released. And so that's why Paul encourages the Roman church in Romans 12, verse 15. And he says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. That's arrogant or thinking you're special. But associate with the lowly and never be wise in your own sight. Again, this encouragement to us. Don't, don't give in to anything that causes strife or causes division. But rather... Consider other people before you consider yourself. So many encouragements like this in the scripture.
And then thirdly, love actually means that we care for each other physically and spiritually. We actually care. Um, again, many scriptures, I just want to choose one. In Matthew 25, there's this amazing picture of Jesus who comes as the, um, the Son of Man coming back. And uh, he's sitting on his throne and there's all the nations gathered before him. And it says that he separates out the sheep from the goats as a, as a shepherd. And he places the sheep on his right and his goats, the goats on, on his left. And then he says, as the king who reigns over all, he says this, Come you who are blessed by my Father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous answer will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then this amazing answer, it says, The king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. It's beautiful, isn't it? So it's an encouragement not only for us in a local church to practically care for people in the local church, but also that we are doing that for people outside of the church community. And so I want to encourage you in this time of pandemic, every uh, bag of groceries that you take to someone, every time you visit someone, every time you reach out or text someone, you are caring for them just as you care for Jesus. And he sees that. And he sees every little thing that you and I are giving our attention to. And it's truly a, an, an honor to Jesus as we live that out practically in our lives right now. So let me encourage you. Don't grow weary of doing good. For in due time, you will receive your reward. That's one of the great promises of the scripture. Number four, love means that we watch over one another and we hold one another accountable. And so there's a sense of really getting to know people. And it's, it's, not, it's, not, um, uh, it's, it's not kind of trying to catch people out. It's, 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 it's helping people to be accountable with their lives and to grow together. And Philippians 2 says this, uh, Brothers, if any, anyone is caught in any, any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Isn't that beautiful? Even when we mess up, even, even when we do things that are wrong, the encouragement of the scripture is that the church would restore us in gentleness. Those in the church would restore us and help us and stand with us. And then he carries on and says, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted but bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So he has another encouragement for us to watch over each other, to encourage each other, to restore each other when someone falls and to do so with gentleness. And that brings me on to number five. The simple uh, encouragement is that love means that we work at encouraging one another. We work at in, uh, lifting up each other's arms when we are weak and strengthening each other's knees when we are feeling weak. I love Barnabas, one of my favorite uh, characters in the book of Acts in the New Testament. Barnabas was known as a son of encouragement. He was a great encourager. Wherever he went, people felt encouraged. They felt built up. They felt strengthened. And for me, that's always something that I've tried to do with my life is I want to be an encourager. I I want to be someone, when I come into the room and I leave, people feel encouraged. They don't feel like, oh, goodness, thank goodness that he's gone. He just draws the life out of me. I'd rather be someone that encourages people. That when I'm with them, they feel strengthened and built up and they understand something more of who Jesus is. And that's um, 
such a great uh, uh, encouragement from the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. Let's be encouragers. All of us need encouragement during this time of lockdown. Every single one of us needs someone to stand with us. So let's do that for each other. Link arms and together, as I said on Wednesday, we can cross the finish line together as we run this race. And uh, number six, love chooses to bear with one another. And um, just as an aside, that includes uh, the encouragement not to sue each other in the church. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, that, still, that, that happens where people can't come to an agreement of, legally that they sue each other. The encouragement of the scripture is, no, don't do that. Bear with each other and uh, uh, that we, out of love, resolve things as best as we can. Again, many, many scriptures encouraging us to do that. Matthew 18, 21, Romans 15, verse 1. But I, I've chosen Mark eleven twenty five. It says this, in terms of bearing with one another. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your heavenly Father uh, who is in heaven might forgive you your own trespasses. In other words, we forgive those that have done us wrong, so that God is faithful to forgive us. I'm getting close to the end now, but just a couple more encouragements. Love means we pray for each other. How simple is that? Ephesians 6.18 and James 5.16. James 5 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray for each other. I found this over many, many years that the one who transforms people perfectly is the Holy Spirit. And as we pray for people, God works in their lives and transforms them. And so as we want to become more and more like Jesus, and we pray that for other people, they begin to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. The worst thing we can do is try and change people ourselves. Because whenever we try and change people ourselves, it's always by coercion or manipulation or some kind of control. And that never, never, never produces change. What produces change in people's hearts and lives is the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them, working from the inside out and transforming them. And so our duty, our responsibility is to pray, to, to, to get, never, never give up praying. Because as we pray for each other, God transforms us and makes us more like his son. Next point, number seven, I think, or number eight. <laughs> Love chooses to keep away from people who do damage to the church. Uh, we've been leading for 30 years now in the church, and unfortunately we have seen this. Uh, that there are people that do damage to the church. And love, love encourages us to stay away from those that do damage to the church. 1 Timothy 6, 3 says this. Teach and urge these things. If anyone has a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, and a constant friction amongst people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Well, my friends, if we ever lived in a time where there is unhealthy craving for controversy and quarreling about words that produce division and suspicion amongst people and there's constant friction with people fighting about stuff, we live in that age right now. I want to encourage you, don't get into meaningless arguments. Don't get onto, onto the internet or Instagram and be part of useless fighting about different things. 
the encouragement of the scriptures, stay away from all that stuff. Just keep your heart and your mind on Jesus and he will bring you into his kingdom and he will transform your life. Don't get worry about that stuff. It only produces friction, only produces fighting and nothing good comes from that. Second, lastly, uh, love means we don't evaluate people as the world does. We don't get distracted by how rich people are, how much influence they have in terms of sport or in terms of, of work. No, no, no. We treat everyone the same. When they walk through the doors, we all walk through the doors of the church as sons and daughters. Regardless of who we are, what we've done, our education, our background, we come through those doors absolutely equal before the cross. That's the beauty of Christianity. And Romans 12 says this, verse 10, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. The real thing. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't that an amazing thing? Outdo one another in showing honor. Show everyone equal honor in God's family. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirits. Rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. My friends, if COVID is, is, is teaching us one thing, it's to be patient in tribulation. To be patient when things aren't going like you want them to go. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Love means we do that for all of God's people. We show honor equally. We don't show honor as the world does with a hierarchy of people who are more important than others. No, in God's family, we are all sons and all daughters and we are all equally important before him. And then it's love uh, lastly, love contends together for the gospel. There's a wonderful um, scripture in Jude, verse 3 of Jude says this. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation that we share, I felt compelled to write to you and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. We live in a generation right now where we need to contend for the faith. We need to courageously stand, patiently and courageously stand, quietly stand on the promises of God's word and what, the, what Christianity really is and contend for that patiently and kindly in a culture and a world that doesn't recognize that much anymore. We're called to contend. That doesn't mean to fight. It means to stand, fight with people. It means to fight for truth and to hold on to truth and to contend and to be patient and stand courageously on what you know to be true. All of us are, con are called because of love to do that. And lastly, love demonstrates itself. It demonstrates. In other words, love is an example. And we can be, we can be examples to one another in, 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 the, in the family of the church. And we can be examples through our lives to those that do not yet believe. Philippians 2 is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole of the scripture. And uh, it says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Jesus, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Don't look to your own interests, but to each of you, look to the interests of the others. That summarizes for me what I'm trying to say this morning. Love demonstrates itself. It's an example both in the church and outside of the church. 
This is what it means to be a loving community. All of these things paint a picture for us of what it means to practically live out love in the church family, and not only in the church family, but to those that do not yet know Christ, so that they begin to experience something of his kingdom. Rooted in Christ, planted in family. That's what it means to live out family in a biblical way. And now next week, we're going to begin to look at what it means to be fruitful and how we can use our lives to live for the kingdom. But I trust that refreshes you and encourages you this morning. Let's, by the Spirit, seek to do all that we can to live those things out as the Scripture encourages us and invites us to do.